the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Horses raised, heads bowed down. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hello, everybody. And one of the newest attorneys in our office is Ayas. Good afternoon. My name is Josiah Scarton Rivera. All right. Well, glad you said it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, he is a lovely fellow. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, welcome, welcome to Connors and Sullivan. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here with you hooray, guys. Hooray! Now, for those of you who don't know about the show, the first part of the show we talk about estate planning and elder law, and the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, we're trying to save assets from nursing home bills. The second part of the show we. You know, it's about politics, history, religion, sometimes nostalgia, entertainment. And today, I'm very pleased to have on Deborah Paget. Now, those of you, you can say, yeah, I kind of remember Deborah Paget. Who was she? Well, she was in Broken Arrow with Jimmy Stewart. She was in Demetrius and the Gladiators with Victor Mature. She was in the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. She was in Love Me Tender with Elvis Presley. And she was in a couple of uh, horror spook movies with Vincent Price. So... Very, very interesting career in Hollywood. Also directed by a number of great directors. So we're going to be talking about Hollywood history with Deborah Paget. But let's get back to estate planning and elder law. So, Josiah, I think you have a couple of questions about estate planning. Yes, I do, Mr. Connor. So the first question is, can a parent create a trust for the sole purpose of protecting their child? Let's say that the person has a child that has some type of spending problem. Can they create, make a trust? To protect them with their spending problems. Yeah. In, in fact, that was really probably a, a generation or two ago. That was mo- one of the main reasons people would set up trusts. Let's say they had what we used to call spendthrift trust to protect a child who would spend money too easily, too quickly, to protect him from himself or herself so that the money would still be there and protect it from their creditors. Let's say they get sued so that the money is protected. It's it's the parent's money, not the child's money. So it's there to protect that child and, and keep the money in the family. And let's say for the sake of argument, maybe you don't want the child's spouse to get the money. You want it to pass to the next generation, the grandchildren or whatever. But yes, a trust can be used for a lot of purposes. We use trust to avoid probate. We use trust to protect assets from medical bills, nursing home bills. We use trust to get assets out tax-free. It's one of the vehicles we can use assets to get out tax-free. But we can also use it to take care of disabled children, a supplemental 
needs trust, which is kind of like an offshoot of a spendthrift trust. And then we can use a spendthrift trust. Let's say we have a child that's not disabled, but the child has a problem managing money to protect that child from himself or herself and to make sure that they always have some assets to live on and so that they have a comfortable lifestyle on the money that you work so hard to save. And by the way, if you want to hear more, if you have any questions when we do our seminars, we talk about all different types of trust. And if you have any questions about spendthrift trust or another different type of trust, supplemental needs trust, make sure you go to our seminars. We're going to have the ads at the end, and you can ask your questions at the seminar. We're going to be in Queens at the end of May. Do we have another question then? Yes, Mr. Connor. So the next question is, and this is for people who already have a living trust, intervivos trust. Is it a good practice? Is it a good idea that even though this person already has a living trust, do they still need to get a will? Is it a good practice, a good idea? Yeah, well, that's a question that's asked all the time because a lot of people say, why do I need a will? All my assets are in the trust, and the few assets that are not in the trust, I have joint with my son, my daughter, whatever, so why do I need a will? I don't have anything in my name because something could pop up. A lot of times people own a car. Very rarely are we going to put a car in a trust. Yes, we have put cars in trust. Let's say somebody owns 10 antique cars. Yeah, we put that in the trust. But ordinarily, if you put, let's say, your car in a trust, in a lot of cases, your insurance rates are going to go through the roof because it's almost like insuring a, a car through a business. So a lot of people don't want to do that. They want to keep the car in, in their own name. So a car. You could have a checking account. A lot of people forget, you know, you could have you, you could have a $5 million estate and you have a $5,000 checking account. You forget it the will would take care of it. Technically, the furniture in your house, the furniture in your apartment is dealt with by the will. Now, ordinarily, there's not a problem, the jewelry, but yeah, it's still good to have a will. And some things happen that you can't quite figure out ahead of time. You could get hit by a car. You can be in a car accident. The lawsuit lasts after your passing. Who's in charge of the lawsuit? Who's going to get the money from the lawsuit? That's where a will comes into play. And not only that, in some cases, let's say you're disinheriting relatives for whatever reason. You know, you don't have close relatives. You have cousins. If you have a will and you have a trust and those cousins want to contest, first they have to file objections to your will, throw the will out, which is very hard to do, if not impossible. And then the second thing they have to do is try to attack the the trust, which makes it almost way too difficult to, to attack. It's a plan. It's belt and suspenders. It's a way to protect your plan for the future, the future of your whoever you intend to be your beneficiaries or as. And there's no one right answer ahead of time, but everybody should have a will, and it's really without exception. A lot of times at our seminars, I talk about the lady who was on SSI who didn't have any assets in her name alone. She died in a fire. Lawsuits were brought. She had a sister she hadn't had any contact with in years. And her sister, whom she barely knew, or at least hadn't been in contact with for 30 years, received the money from the lawsuit when she died in a fire because she didn't have a will. And everybody should have a will. There's, there's another case we talk about every once in a while. woman had an apartment. She had all her bank accounts. She had a lot of her assets and annuities with beneficiaries. The financial planner said, well, you don't need a will, except she had a checking account in her name alone. And not only did she have a checking account in her name alone, she had an apartment. She died. At least the apartment was there. None of her relatives would cooperate with the will because none of the relatives were named as beneficiaries on the annuity. So where were we? We couldn't get an administrator appointed right away because the relatives weren't cooperative. Meanwhile, the rent was being paid. There was direct withdrawal taken out of her checking account for like nine months the rent was taken out of her checking account. Nobody had access to her apartment. 
Yeah, she had a couple of hundred thousand dollars that went to her beneficiaries on the annuities, but a lot of money was lost for no reason because she didn't have a will. Believe me, everybody should have a will. And I don't know where it comes from every once in a while. says, oh, you don't need a will. Everything you have has a beneficiary on it. No, you never know. The beneficiary could die before you, and then your will will control. Let's say you have everything in trust for your, your niece. Your niece dies before you. That asset goes through your will. Again, everybody should have a will. You plan things so that hopefully the will is not your first line of defense, so to speak. You plan things that we use other ways to avoid probate. But just in case, we should always have a will just in case something happens. Now, each week, Kevin McCullough takes one of our clients' questions and has me answer it on his show. Take it away, Kevin. Every single week, we at Kevin McCullough Radio hope to bring you a little bit of help by getting one of the most esteemed lawyers in all the business to answer one of your questions right here on the air. Ask Mike Connors is what we do. Ask the Lawyer is the name of his show, and he answers a question uh, with us each uh, week. And uh, Mike, this week's question comes from Nancy. She says, Mr. Connors, can a will be deemed invalid if an attorney's signature is missing? Uh, Pretty good question because sometimes this does, in fact, happen, I guess. Well, it does. The, you know, the law in, in virtually every state in, in, in the country is that the will has to be witnessed by two independent witnesses. In other words, somebody who's not named in the will, somebody who's usually not a close relative. An attorney does not technically have to witness a will. So now, if for some reason the attorney was one of the two witnesses and somehow he forgot to witness the will or she forgot to witness the will, then it's not valid. But if two other witnesses sign, it is a valid will. All right. Well, that seems uh, pretty simple then. Just get two living, breathing people to say that they witnessed it and to sign it and you're in good shape. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you don't, it's better to have an attorney witness your will, but yes, it's okay. a valid will. And uh, wills are something that, friends, you should uh, take seriously. And there was no one on the planet that was more helpful for the lovely bride and I getting our will in place than Connors and Sullivan. And his team is standing by to help you right now. In fact, if you call 718-238-6500, they will uh, begin that process for you to make sure your will is uh, what it needs to be uh, today. 718-238-6500, 718 you can also ask Mike your own question, askmikeconnors at gmail.com, askmikeconnors at gmail.com. You might hear it answered right here on Kevin McCullough Radio. And additionally, he might answer it on his broadcast Saturday mornings at 8 on Ask the Lawyer on AM 570 The Mission and Sunday mornings at 11 on AM 970 The Answer. Mike Connors, thanks so much. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. You can listen to Kevin each week on 970 The Answer at 5 o'clock. On Wednesdays, though, he's sharing the show with John Katsimatidis, so you can also pick him up on 4 o'clock on Wednesdays. And on WMCA 570, you can hear Kevin Monday through Friday, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So again, thank you for Kevin for being so kind as to give us some time on your show to answer these questions. Now, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back in a few minutes. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. I mean, Beth Connors. And you say, Ask For our Ask the Lawyer friends and listeners, you can attend any of Connors & Sullivan's free seminars on elder law, Medicaid, wills and estate planning, and more. Yes, it's all free and all close to you. So come to Connors & Sullivan's free seminars. On Wednesday, May 29th at Lenny's Clam Bar, 161-03 Cross Bay Boulevard in Howard Beach, Queens at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. at Connolly's Corner, 71-17 Grand Avenue in Masspeth, Queens on Thursday, May 30th 
Smith at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m., and at the Adria, 221-17 Northern Boulevard in Bayside, Queens, on Friday, May 31st at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Can't go to any Connors & Sullivan's free seminars? Then call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500 for your own free office appointment. Make an educated decision on your estate and family legal solutions today. Just call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500. That's Connors & Sullivan, 718-238-6500, or go to connorsandsullivan.com. Find out what you're entitled to. Come to a Connors & Sullivan free seminar. For more information, call 718-238-6500, or go to connorsandsullivan.com. Connors & Sullivan. Plan now for later. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanying my wife, Beth. We're back. And our newest lawyer to the Connors and Sullivan team. Josiah Scarion Rivera. Okay, so, Josiah, let the audience know something about yourself. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? Where did you go to law school? Well, I was born in Puerto Rico. Uh, basically, I'm an attorney in Puerto Rico. I started my legal career in Puerto Rico. I went to law school in Puerto Rico, Pontifical Catholic University of Puerto Rico, which is in Ponce, in the south of the island. Very beautiful place, very beautiful town, very old-fashioned Spanish-style kind of town. Um, I also worked three years as a law clerk at the Puerto Rico Court of Appeals. It was a great experience there. I had the opportunity to study and analyze cases with judges, uh, from, you know, civil cases all the way to criminal cases, everything in between. I really like that experience. Um, afterwards, around two years ago, I decided to relocate in New York. I got admitted to practice in the courts of New York, and I'm very proud of saying that, be able to say that, and be able to be admitted in multiple jurisdictions. I'm very happy to say that. Um uh, I work at the. I started working in New York City at the New York City Tax and Limousine Commissions Agency. Afterwards, I had the opportunity to work at a nonprofit organization, and currently, I'm working as an associate at Connors and Sullivan's, and I'm very happy to be here. We are so happy you're with us. Oh, thank you, thank you so much. The feeling is mutual. <laughs> now, do you like music? I love music. I, that is one of my passions passions and uh, i also play the guitar that's I what play i know bit. yes yes i play a little bit of spanish classic guitar oh uh yeah and but i i also gotta say that i'm a big fan of uh, classic rock like the beatles oh sure and the sure. 60s kind of rock the british rock okay. I, I really like all of that okay my father tried forever my father was an ear nose and throat surgeon he always wanted to play the guitar and just he had huge hands and, you know, he's just it, very it was frustrating. But he would listen to Spanish guitar when he was all alone and you could hear that going. And he just 
was mesmerized by it. And he, and that way, I think that's the only thing in his entire life that he was sorry that he didn't master, that he could not play the Spanish guitar. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, when did you begin? When you were young? Yeah, when I was in school, like around, I was like around 12 or 13 years old. So, yeah, I started taking some basic classes, guitar lessons, and um, afterwards I decided to just keep practicing. Lovely. And self-taught myself sure, on how to sure. play the guitar. The thing that I like the most about playing guitar is the patience. I think is that it's an exercise of patience. You right. got to go step by step, take it easy, because sometimes when you're not able to play what you really want to play, right. or that it doesn't sound the way that you want it to sound, you get frustrated. But the only way to get it through is patience. Keep going. Do you have a favorite composer uh, or performer or both? Yeah, uh, I'm, I, I consider myself to be kind of out of time because I'm a big fan of the Beatles. So I will say oh. John Lennon and <laughs> Paul McCartney, he's still alive. I had the opportunity to... They're not to, all dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr, they're still around. I was able to see Paul McCartney live at Barclays Center. Oh, nice. And that changed my life. Thank oh. God that I was able to go and see that show. It was really worth it. Very But good. I would say that um, John Lennon and Paul McCartney, to be honest. Very interesting. Yes. Very interesting. Very nice. Thank you. What do you think about Elvis Presley? <laughs> oh, yeah. I love Elvis Presley. Love In <laughs> fact, Elvis Presley is one of the artists that influenced the Beatles. Absolutely. So, you know, the Beatles and not only Elvis Presley, but... Bob Dylan, too. So basically, the Beatles, the biggest thing in rock history, was influenced by Ameri American rock music. Sure. Well, the lady that's going to be on our show later was in love. They, The two of them were in love with each other, but her parents would not let her marry him. That story everyone's going to hear in just a few minutes. Yeah, yeah because oh. in the movie Love Me Tender, which was Elvis's first movie, she played his wife. She was one of those actresses, which she looked a lot older than she was. And, you know, like, for instance, when she was with Jimmy Stewart in Broken Arrow in 1950, when the movie was released, I think she was 16 years old, but it was being made, she was 15. And, you know, she plays Jimmy Stewart's wife in that movie. So in, in one of the scenes, he kisses her, and then he finds out that she's only 15 years old, and he says, they're making a pedophile out of me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when she did the movie with Elvis Presley, she wow. was still a teenager. But that's part of what we're going to learn in, in, in the next few minutes when we listen to Deborah Padgett. In the meanwhile, if you have any questions about estate planning or elder law, give us a call at Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. And I know some of you out there, you know, some of you say, I love the interviews. And, and I think most people, that's the, the feedback I get. But every once in a while, somebody tells me, hey, I want to hear more about estate planning and elder <laughs> law. Okay, if you want to hear more about estate planning and elder law, write us an email myconnors at gmail.com. Chris, where, where do they... What are the other venues? How can they contact us? Facebook or YouTube? YouTube is still a mystery to me. So what are all these things? You can also message us on Facebook. The page is Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Check us out also on Twitter. It's CNS Attorneys. That's at CNS Attorneys on Twitter. I didn't even know we had a Twitter page. Yes, we do. We uh, post our interviews and uh, some of the cool stuff there and your seminar dates. Well, that's fine, but we're on Twitter. <laughs> Learn something every day. CNS Attorneys. That's at CNS Attorneys. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to take a short break, then we're going to listen to Deborah Padgett. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. 
And me, Beth Connors. And Josias Carrion Rivera. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress, a government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646. Or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash Fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646 and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control and church was actually a, a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home. But if you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church... I'm a new person. I love it. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. Saturday, a week ago, I took a day off, which I usually don't do on Saturdays. I said, let me take a look at what movies are on today that I might watch. And, you know, first thing I see at 1130 in the morning, I see Demetrius and the Gladiators is playing. (laughs) And next thing I know later that day, Love Me Tender with Elvis Presley is on. Then Broken Arrow with Jimmy Stewart. And then that night, the Ten Commandments are on. What am I talking about? Because our next guest on Connor's Corner, Deborah Paget, was in all of those films. Welcome to Connor's Corner, Deborah. Well, thank you, Mike. I didn't know all those movies were on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Fox had Demetrius and the Gladiators. Um, the Western yeah. Channel had Love Me Tender and Broken Arrow. And, uh, and ABC had uh, the Ten Commandments. That's amazing. <laughs> I was all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> you were in one day. <laughs> one day. And I was sitting here in Texas all the time. <laughs> now, let me ask you something. I, I think most of us, are, you know, the older people in the audience, first remember you from Broken Arrow. I know it wasn't your first film, but it was the, maybe the first film that was a hit. What was it like? I mean, you were paired up with Jimmy Stewart. What was it like to work on Broken Arrow? It was a m- wonderful experience. So 
in every every area. The, the more wonderful director Jimmy Stewart was an angel, <laughs> and it was Jeff uh, Chandler's first starring role, and it, it was just amazing. We we worked in Sedona, Arizona, which at that time there was no city, there was no civilization. It was strictly for filming, for films. It was one of the most beautiful places in the country. And it, it was just lovely. I was 14, a 14-year-old girl playing an 18-year-old, and Jimmy was 40. <laughs> so I, I was always playing an 18-year-old until I reached 18, and then I started playing 14-year-olds. So that's <laughs> Hollywood. <laughs> right, because ordinarily, you know, when you're, you're playing somebody younger than you are in, in most of the roles. So you're, you're 14 years old, and you're getting married to Jimmy Stewart, who's 40? Yeah. What are you? Yeah, in fact, he got married at the end of that film to uh, to his wonderful wife, and uh, I would. But he was forty, and I was fourteen, and that was sort of my career. When I reached eighteen, I was working on a film. First time I ever played a fourteen-year-old. What film was that? It was the sequel to Cheaper by the Dozen, Bells on Their Toes. Now let me ask you something: <laughs> Who was Who was the director of Broken Arrow? Delma Daves. Right. An angelic being. <laughs> right. Now, he directed you a little bit later in Demetrius and the Gladiators? Yes. He also directed me the next year in Bird of Paradise, um, in which I I had to swim like a fish. And I was when I was making Broken Arrow, there was a, a big river where we were working there in Arizona. And I had w- one day off. So a, a friend of mine and my mother, we went to the river and I, I couldn't swim. I used to have dreams about drowning, falling out of a boat and, and drowning. I had it for many years. And uh, we went to this river and I didn't swim. So I got in the river and I was holding on to a raft or something and some young Indian boys nearby pushed me off and I, I couldn't swim and I was no way I could get out. And uh, the actress playing the mother, she tried to help me and she kept pushing me out <laughs> So about that time, my mother said, well, who was a heavy set lady, she said, someone better go in and get Deborah or I'm going to make an awful big splash. So in came a young boy that lived in that area and pulled me out. And I really was drowning. And I, I, uh, they, they got me revived and I recovered. And when I went back uh, maybe a couple months later to see Delma Daves about uh, doing another film, he said, Deborah, you swim, don't you? I said, Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> Not remembering that I had almost dropped. <laughs> and so, and of course, in time, he, rec- he recognized that I had a, had a problem with swimming. So he set it up for me to swim at his and his wife's house every day for three hours every day with a champion swimmer from the Olymp- Olympics who was, under, who was under contract to Fox. So I became like a fish. I mean, I could do anything in the water. But, and, you know, after that happened, I never had that dream again. Okay. Well, very good. Yeah, that, that dream totally vanished once I learned to swim. <laughs> Obviously, Demetri and the Gladiators weren't your only biblical religious film. A couple of years later, Cecil B. DeMille, The Ten Commandments. What yes. Was, what can you tell us about The Ten Commandments? Well, it was one of the, if not the great thrill of my life, uh, career-wise. He was, you know, so famous. Uh, since I was a child, I had watched DeMille movies. So just the fact of meeting him, and it was incredible, um, I didn't try to get that picture because everyone in Hollywood that was my age, to my knowledge, was trying to get the part of Lilia. And um, 
I thought, well, I wouldn't have a chance. You know, I was I was a film star at the time, but I thought, well, I, you know, you're not going to choose me. So I didn't even try. And one day I got a call from the, oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I was in Mexico making a film, and I got a telegram. And it said that I was to report to Cecil B. DeMille on my return to Hollywood and play the role of Lilia in, in the Ten Commandments. I mean, I was so shocked. <laughs> I hadn't even tried to get the role. And uh, when I, I, I made the film, it took, it was a two-year filming. I, was, I worked about nine, ten months on it. But at one time, I, I was very shy in those years. I was very timid and shy. And uh, one day he called me in to rehearse and teach me some uh, diction things. He had beautiful speech. So I went in his office, and he was teaching me these exercises. And I got this courage up <laughs> to say, because I was very shy. And I said, Mr. DeMille, can you tell me why did you choose me for this role? And he said, because I feel the hand of God is on you. And I, to this day, <laughs> when I say that, it's, it means so much to me. Um, because God's always meant so much to me. He's he's great, great, great part of my life, the Lord. Was Cecil B. DeMille a religious person? I mean, obviously did a lot of biblical yes. ethics. Yes. No, he, he was. He, he made several films on Jesus Christ. He had, um, in the commissary at Paramount Studios, where he always had his offices, like from the 30s, 1930s and on. He had a huge round table. And the center of that table was a humongous Bible, and it was always open. It was never to be closed. It, it, it just really you know, stuck in your mind. But he made so many uh, films from the Bible. They weren't religious per se. They were actually films from the Bible. He he was a very godly man. It was an amazing thrill to work with him. Now, you said it took two years. Of course, there's some other great actors and actresses in that film. Can you tell us some of the oh, people yes. you worked with? Oh, yes. It was Charlton Heston, uh, Joel Brenner, and, uh, and Baxter, um, the other girl, beautiful girl, Yvonne DiCarlo, John Derrick. Vincent Price. There were a number of good actors in that film. It was very exciting to be in it. I was very privileged. and Like I say, I don't know how I got it, but I was very grateful that I did. I was meant to be. Now let me ask you, years later, you're playing with Vincent Price again. Oh yeah, I, I did about five pictures with Vincent. Um, he made a lot of films at 20th Century Fox where I was under contract. So I knew him, and then I did quite a few films with him uh, when he got into the horror <laughs> the horror films he was a lovely man and so so intelligent so smart and funny and it was he, he was just a, a wonderful friend you know let's go back you know you have Delma Dawes we didn't get into Henry Hathaway or Lewis Milestone or George Sherman or some of the other great directors of the 50s it's really a very impressive group of directors that chose you or that you happen to work with in, in these films Oh yes, I I worked with the best, and Delmer Daves was. Um, they called him the Smiling Killer. <laughs> he was the softest voice person you've ever heard in your life. A very brilliant man, wonderful director. But he made both um, Broken Arrow, and then Bird of Paradise, which were the two 
films that really put me into the star range. And um, he was so kind and so so soft. He had this velvety voice. And he could get the whole crew to go up at four in the morning to the top of a mountain where they might have to pull the uh, equipment by hand all the way up the mountain. They'd do anything for him because he was just such a kind, lovely man. And like I said, he had this soft, velvety voice. So, but he was, uh, he really sort of made, gave me the films that uh, made, you know, made a difference in my career of, of maybe signing at the studio and a year later being dropped or going on to bigger and better things. And so I, I always admired him so much and thank you. Know, very grateful to him. A few years later, Fritz Lang, probably one of the greatest directors in the history of cinema. <laughs> Yes. How did you get involved in that project, and what do you think about it? I don't know. <laughs> no, I do. Uh, I was, you know, of course, here, and that film was made in Germany and India. And I was, I had been doing some, a few films in Europe, and I had a call from my agent, and uh, it was, it was uh, the first big film that Germany had done since the war, actually, and that was he made that in. Um, 1959, 60, something like that. And so I had been doing quite a few films in Italy, and so I, I went on and did that film. And, and we were in in Berlin um, for about six months, and then we went to India, worked there for several months. But he was a, a really amazing man. I mean, I've been so blessed to work with the directors and producers that I've worked with. Um, really outstanding people as well as their talents. But uh, I got a call. Did I want to go over there and do it? And so I did. My mother and I packed up and off we went. <laughs> All right. Now, let me just mention Roger Corman. What was it like working under Roger Corman? Oh, uh, Roger was uh, so funny. He, he's a dear, he was dear. I don't know. I haven't talked to Roger in so many years, but he uh, was at Fox. He was a mail boy. He worked in the mail department. I was 14. I don't know. Roger must have been 19 or 20 or something. Very young. It was, and he worked as a mailboy. And I went to to the Fox School for Children. You know, right there in the same building. So he used to talk to my mother a lot when he ran in and out with the mail. <laughs> and uh, I, we just we knew him from that far back. So he'd been a friend. And it was it was a lot of fun working with him. He's um. He's a you know, good producer, director, and a good friend. Now, getting back to the Ten Commandments, Cecil B. DeMille, it was meant to be. What did he mean, and, and what do you take out of it? Well, he said, well, he said, what he said was, I feel the hand of God is on you. Uh, you know, I, he was a godly man. I don't think people really realize that. And everything, uh, I mean, sometimes there was a little leeway taken on the Bible stories, to, you know, to make them film, film, filmable and sellable. But he really knew the Word of God. He, he's a godly man. Uh, you know, he always had this reputation for being so hard and brash and yelling. And, but actually, he, he was very soft-hearted. And I would watch him when he would direct, and he might yell at everybody and scream, and then he'd turn around and he said, I hope he'd say to them, you know, don't fall down and don't do this. And then he'd turn around and quietly say to the cameraman, I hope I don't. I mean, he was, <laughs> he was a cute man, just a darling person. 
but a, a lovely man, and um, it was an honor to know him, uh, work with him. Filming the Ten Commandments, was that a religious experience for you? Well, it, it was wonderful because, I mean, I have been uh, born a Christian since I was a child. I don't remember ever not being walking with the Lord. That's just been my life. Um, and I don't remember not talking to the Lord. We have we talk all the time, <laughs> but it's just something I grew up with. Um, so I mean, I, I I just felt like I was at home when I was in the middle of Bible pictures. Demetrius was a Bible thing about about the Lord, and um, I feel very comfortable in that setting and in that time of setting. But, you know, I just, I don't really know. I, like I said, I'm, I'm comfortable. I talk with the Lord all the time. A lot of people may think I'm a cuckoo bird, <laughs> but I always have since I was practically born, I guess. Um, it's just, it's unnatural for me not to talk to him because uh, I know he hears me. And most of the time I hear him, not always. <laughs> Deborah, we need to take a short break. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, interviewing legendary movie star Deborah Padgett. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you Protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors & Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. Or ConnorsAndSullivan.com. We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death. And it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. Love me tender, love me sweet. Welcome back to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. We've been talking film history with Deborah Padgett of Hollywood fame. Now today, you know, in a lot of Hollywood films... I don't think you have directors of faith making making pictures. Maybe I'm wrong. And I mean, I know they're the, the low budget things where people have good intentions and, and keep working. Mm-hmm. But what's your comment on that? Well, I don't think there's enough done about the Lord. Um, 
of all times of all time. We we need the Lord now. We need uh, the way things are going. You know. <laughs> yes. It's a it's a wonderful life, but things can get bad, and they're not. They're they have time right now that things are getting bad, and if ever we needed the Lord, we always have needed Him, but we absolutely must know that He's with us and that He takes care of us, that He'll lead us and He'll guide us. That he'll come and live in us and and keep us safe. And when it's all over, he'll take us to be with him in heaven. I've, I've had so many um, escapes from harm, and, and I couldn't even begin to tell you. I could write a book. And all I've ever had to do was cry out to Jesus and, and to the Father and uh, thank the Lord. He's always there. He'll, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he loves us. With all his heart, I mean, you know, when you think that the Father God gave his son for us, to die for us, and that his death and resurrection, his burial and resurrection, can bring us all to heaven to live with him forever. It sounds kind of hard and all, but it's so easy, it's so simple. And all, you know, all you have to ha- ever do is just say, Lord Jesus, I, you know, I'm so sorry for everything I've done, and I want to be in your life, and I want you in my life. Just, you know, just come into me and, and take over. And it's so simple. And then he does. He comes in you, and he'll, he'll walk with you the rest of your life, which will be an eternal walk. And uh, he's so lovely and loving. So, you know, it, it's a special part of my life. It, you know, it is life to me. He is life to me. And I just always want people to know him and to, to receive him and know how much they are loved by Jesus, by his Father. So I guess that's about it. I just, uh, I love the Lord. <laughs> that's, you know, a wonderful example for all of us. You're a wonderful witness to the to the Lord. But I have one question getting back to your film career. If somebody mm-hmm. is out there and they say, what is the best performance of Deborah Paget on screen? <laughs> what would you tell them to watch? Oh, golly. I don't know. I mean, you know, they're all so different. I I, I really don't, I couldn't tell you. I, I think one of the funnest movies I ever made was Stars and Stripes Forever. I mean, I danced and sang, and it was just a fun movie to make. It was very uh, entertaining film with Bob Wagner and Clifton Webb. And then, of course, I, I think, you know, naturally the Ten Commandments, things that actually will touch your heart. Demetrius was a wonderful film. And Broken Arrow was the first, you know, one that really, sort of put me on my way, and such wonderful act. Jeff, it was Jeff Chandler's first big movie. And that was special, you know, and then uh, the director, Del Davis, Jimmy Stewart, who was a special human being, just just very special person. Yeah, well, when you think back and you look at IMBD, you, you, your leading men are Elvis Presley we didn't even talk about. Oh, uh, well, Elvis was a doll. <laughs> it was he was special. In fact, I loved him, and he loved me. But my parents said no. <laughs> I was crazy about Elvis. And he asked me to marry him. Uh, or he was going back to Memphis, and he was in the car. He didn't fly then. And he asked me if I'd marry him. And my parents had already informed me. They, you know, they didn't have anything against him, but they didn't think that that was the one I should. <laughs> so. I said no, and uh, we, we we filmed a movie on the same lot after he asked me to marry him at Paramount. In fact, it was like Ten Commandments, and he was doing another one. 
and it was like long lost love. You know, he would walk. He'd be playing baseball out on the streets, and I'd be going into my dressing room, and we'd just look longingly, and then go our separate ways. It was kind of funny because Elvis was like a sort of like a sixteen, seventeen year old. So was I. Mm-hmm. I was only I was twenty when I worked with Elvis, and Elvis was just barely going to be twenty, and he was like a kid, and I was so immature as a person. I, I was an actress and dancer. But I really didn't know much about um I could put on an act that I was very mature and all, but I really wasn't. And it was sort of like two sixteen year olds, you know. So I, when I look back it's it's kinda of funny. But he was a lovely person, he really was. And he loved the Lord. Elvis loved Jesus. And I don't know if everybody knows that. No, a lot of people don't, you know, and it, uh, that's oh, very yeah. interesting. He, his whole life was the Lord. Him his mama, you know, had brought him up in the Lord Jesus Christ and he, he, when he sang in his concerts, which I only saw the one, but I know all about them, and uh, he was just um, so adored by the people. But when he sang the gospel songs, I mean, it just stopped the show. It, it always stopped everybody. I don't think it's ever been a secret that 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 he loved singing the gospel songs because he loved the Lord. And um, it was special knowing Elvis. He's a special person. Very sweet, very kind. What about some of the other, if I can ask you a few of the other people, Stuart Granger, Robert Taylor. Um, yeah, same movie. Can you imagine? They were both in the same movie. I know that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> they were both, they were fun. Taylor was very quiet. I don't think probably we said more than 20 words on the whole movie. He was a very gentlemanly uh, person, but very quiet, kept himself a lot. And Stuart Granger was very kind, but he was much more outgoing and, you know, kind of fun on the set. I've worked with so many wonderful, wonderful people. Um, it's hard to really, you know, pick anyone out. That Clifton Webb was a character. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember Clifton. But... Yeah, well, of course, Laura and the Stars and Stripes Forever. and Yeah, he was, but he was so much fun. That's why that film was so much fun. Bob Wagner, I'd known since he was first signed at the studio. Uh I, I feel mostly with Bob Wagner and Jeffrey Hunter of anybody, and maybe Vincent Price. But uh, there were people that I knew like 10 years at Fox, you know, and it was always fun to work with those people. But I, I grew up at Fox. I went to school at Fox Studios. Um, so I had special feelings towards that studio. People were very good to me there. My mother was always with me, and... They always were, everyone at the studio sort of took care of us like we were family. Because I was a child, you know, and they just looked after me like one of their children. <laughs> so I always had special feelings for the people at Fox. Let me ask you about one actor who you with Love Me Tender and uh, Demetrius and the Gladiators. And I always thought he was underappreciated, Richard Egan. Yes, he was, um, I think Demetrius is one of his first films, maybe after RKO, but... He was an excellent actor and beautiful voice. A beautiful voice. I, I, yeah, I think maybe he, he should have gone further than he did. Um, but he was he was a nice gentleman and uh, fun to work with. But you know, some of them, he, he wasn't a, a, a laugh laugh kind of person. He was very dignified. And so I, I'm glad I got to know him and work with him. Who was the most fun to work with in, in your career? Well, you know, that sort of depends on who you worked with more often. 
Because when you're on a film, you're, you're busy, you're working. And when I was first four years I worked, I was going to school on the set and working, shooting the, shooting films. Same time, I had an eight-hour day, but half of it was done schoolwork with a teacher, and half of it was done filming. And they'd run and they'd say, Deborah on the set, and I'd run out and leave my mathematics on the table, <laughs> run out and do a love scene, and then run back and pick up my mathematics and start to work again. So it was... Um, well, it was interesting, you know, but I did that for four years of my career. And so I always had a teacher who was a welfare worker, which they required, and my mother had to have a parent. Um, so I was well looked after. <laughs> Do you have any regrets about your career? No, I really I really don't. I mean, I'm so blessed. Um, and you think how many people... Beautiful, talented people roaming around Hollywood, and you know my my family was so blessed. My I have um, my sister Lisa Gay, who starred in her own TV three different series and some films, and my sister Teela Loring, who starred in some films, and my brother Frank Griffin, who starred in some films. So I mean, we were all so blessed out there. We we all had careers. My brother eventually he he became a Top makeup man, because uh, he liked doing character makeups and things. Uh, but you know, we we really all had wonderful careers there, wonderful lives there. And it was a wonderful place to grow up. I, I think maybe it's not quite the same place it used to be, but it it was pretty wholesome, really, considering you know the theater. Do you have a website right now that people can check up on you and see some of your old no, pictures and so forth? No, I don't do that. People, you don't do people that. have made made them. There's some out there. I don't even know how to use those, use those machines. My brother always calls me and gets all my, the messages for me. Or uh, people will call and tell me, you know, and, and they'll pull up websites. There's several uh, that you can find out all that stuff, but I just don't know where it is. I've never gotten into that. I guess I should have, but I'm still more private than that. So <laughs> wish I could did. <laughs> Deborah, thank you very much for being on Connor's Corner. Thank you for being a witness to the Lord. You know, that uh, there are too many famous people, I think, that would hold back on that. Well, I mean, I'm, I've always witnessed for the Lord because he's life to me. I mean, he gave us life. So I love him, and I'm going to talk about him. <laughs> if you let me, I'm going to talk about him. <laughs> and I appreciate that you do allow that, and you do encourage that. And God bless you for it. And it's been so nice visiting. Thank God bless you, you Deborah Padgett. Everybody Padgett. else, bye-bye. God bless you. Beth, I know you don't like Demetrius and the Gladiators, but I still <laughs> think that's not, a... It's not that's that a I nice don't like it. a nice old-fashioned movie, you know, oh, that they don't make gosh. today. Oh, my gosh. That's not the point. What is my problem with Demetrius and the Gladiators? I don't know. You tell me. You're Victor all mature. You always want to watch a Victor mature movie. It doesn't ter- It doesn't matter how bad it is. If he's fighting a Triceratops, we've <laughs> got to watch Victor mature for crying out loud. No, and 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 the other thing is, you know, me- I remember one Victor mature story that what? Jim Backus was oh. telling on the Tonight Show once. Johnny Carson asked Jim Backus who was the funniest guy he ever worked with, and he said Victor mature. And Johnny Carson looked back and said Victor mature. You know, and he says, yeah, one time I was working on a costume epic with it was not Demetrius and the Gladiators. I think it was Andrew Cleese and the Lion. And he said they they finished work and they were both in their Roman 
you know, centurion costumes or whatever. So Victor, they're driving, let's get a beer. So they walk into a bar and here's the bartender and he sees these two guys in Roman soldier outfits from AD 30 or whatever. And the bartender is just standing there in disbelief. And Victor Mature says, what, you don't serve members of the armed forces? <laughs> and of course, the other one was, you know, like when he goes into the hotel and the woman says, are you the actor? And he says, no, haven't you seen any of my 60 films? <laughs> you know, so I, <laughs> Good guy. <laughs> Wait, I'm not, I just don't. First of all, I don't like really sad movies. Demetrius and the Gladiator is very sad. And I also don't like it when he's battling Triceratops. What, who is he? Is it a? But he's always battling some creature. An, <laughs> a he, lot. he did kill four tigers in Demetrius and the Gladiators. I know. In hand-to-hand combat. So. I know. <laughs> That's what my husband thinks. We're not going to tell him otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But again, if you want to hear more about estate planning and elder law, you want to ask about old movies or talk about old movies after the after the <laughs> estate planning seminars, uh, you know, the times are going to be read off by Matt in a, in a couple of minutes. We're in Queens the end of May. We're going to be in Manhattan. We're going to be in Manhattan and Staten Island in June. Back in Brooklyn probably in July or August. So we're going to be to a place near you. I'm sorry, the Bronx, but we don't well, get Manhattan's to Well, Manhattan's not fun. hard But here's to the thing. To. If you have a church in the Bronx, you have a, a senior citizen center in the Bronx, if you want us to speak there, we're more than happy to do it. You can give us a call at Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. Mr. Kincaid is telling us we got to go home. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. We are gathered here on hallowed ground, voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this soul away. We are gathered, we are gathered here on hallowed ground, voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this soul away. For our Ask the Lawyer friends and listeners, you can attend any of Connors and Sullivan's free seminars on elder law, Medicaid, wills and estate planning, and more. Yes, it's all free and all close to you. So come to Connors and Sullivan's free seminars. On Wednesday, May 29th at Lenny's Clam Bar, 161-03 Cross Bay Boulevard in Howard Beach, Queens at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. at Connolly's Corner, 71-17 Grand Avenue in Masspeth, Queens on Thursday, May 30th at 11 a.m., 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. and at the Adria. 221-17 Northern Boulevard in Bayside, Queens on Friday, May 31st at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Can't go to any Connors & Sullivan's free seminars? Then call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500 for your own free office appointment. Make an educated decision on your estate and family legal solutions today. Just call Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500 or go to connorsandsullivan.com. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors and Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.